Thank you for listening to this message from First Baptist Church of Alamogordo. More information about First Baptist Church can be found at www.fbcalamo.com. All right, well, as you take a seat and as our kids head back to Kids Church with Miss Ron, I'm going to invite you to take your Bible and go to 1 Timothy chapter 6. We are wrapping up this series in 1 Timothy this morning. Uh, we started this back in uh, July, I believe, about mid-July is when we, we first dove into this book. And here we are several months later wrapping it up this morning. We're going to look at, at 1 Timothy 6, verses 17 through 21. And, and it's always, you know, last words are important, right? So, so we've always been told that if you're writing a letter, if you're writing a paper, your introduction and your conclusion are the most important parts of your paper. Those are the things that people are going to remember the most. And so uh, we need to pay attention as we read uh, God's word. Well, we, we pay attention to all of it, right? So, so I'm not saying we elevate one thing over another, but especially when it comes to letters, we, we pay attention to introductions. What does is, what is Paul or Peter or James uh, want to say right off the bat? What, what, is, the, what is the thing that, that they're going to tell their readers right uh, as soon as they're launching in? And then what is the last thing that they want to say to their readers before they, before they wrap up? And this morning we turn to the end of this letter that Paul's written to Timothy. Now to, to remind you, Timothy is an elder in the church in Ephesus. Um, and, and Paul's been writing throughout this letter, uh, reminding Timothy about uh, the, the sufficiency of God's word, how to address false teachers, about some roles that, that God set up within the local church and, and then he, he wraps up today. We, we talked about money a couple of weeks ago. And apparently it was such a big deal in Ephesus that, that this morning Paul circles around and he's going to address wealth one more time. He wants Timothy to know how to handle material things. And uh, so, so the song the choir sang this morning, uh, This World Is Not My Home, we've been rehearsing for months and, and when we put, the, put it on the calendar well over a month ago, um, I didn't make the connection that this morning we're going to be talking about wealth. And we just sang about, the choir just sang about how uh, this world's not our home. We were just sang songs reminding us that, uh, that Christ is our all in all. And we're wrapping this up a week and a half before Thanksgiving. Right? And, and Thanksgiving, because you, you know what happens after Thanksgiving, right? We spend a day being thankful for everything that we have. And then we'll get into fights trying to buy more stuff. I mean, other people will, right? We would, we would, we would never stoop to that level, right? <laughs> and so I think uh, the, the Lord's trying to tell us something throughout this time of year because the, the Christmas commercials have already started. I haven't seen the Lexus one yet, right, where the, the same lady keeps getting a new Lexus every year. Um, but uh, it's coming. We're going to be bombarded with these messages, that what you have is not enough. You need to add more stuff to your life. You need to have uh, not just the, the iPhone that came out last year, but you need the new iPhone that just came out. Because suddenly it's too hard to, to use your fingerprint to open up your phone. Now you just need it to recognize your face, right? And so we're going to hear these messages over the next six weeks or so. That in order to be happy, we need more stuff. And Paul wants to direct our attention back to the thing 
where our true value and our true worth lies. And it's who we are as children of God. It's not in the stuff that we have. So let's read 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 17 through 21. And let's stand as we honor the word that the Lord has given to us this morning. The word of the Lord says, Instruct those who are rich in the present age not to be arrogant, or to set their hope on the uncertainty of wealth, but on God, who richly provides us with all things to enjoy. Instruct them to do what is good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and willing to share, storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of what is truly life. Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to you, avoiding irreverent and empty speech and contradictions from what is falsely called knowledge. By professing it, some have departed from the faith. Grace be with you all. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We pray that you would open our hearts and our minds to hear your word this morning. That where maybe we are tempted toward greed, we're tempted toward finding our identity in the stuff that we have, that you would realign our priorities this morning. You would, you would shift our focus to you. That we might live as men and women um, who've been redeemed by Almighty God. We might live our lives for the sake of the kingdom of God. Will you show us how to do that this morning? We ask all these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you. You can have a seat. So, so really, we're going to focus on two things this morning, and, and they're not complicated. Uh, at least, they're, they're not hard to read on paper. It's a little bit more difficult to actually put them into practice in our lives. Um, and so the, the first thing that I want us to see, I think that, that, Timothy, or that Paul instructs Timothy here. He says, instruct those who are rich in the present age not to be arrogant or to set their hope on the uncertainty of wealth, but on God who richly provides us with all things to enjoy. So Paul's encouraging Timothy to instruct the, the people in his church to avoid the danger of wealth. Avoid the, the dangers that accompany wealth. Now, really quickly, we need to understand that there's nothing inherently wrong with money itself. There's nothing inherently wrong with material possessions. Those are tools. They are, they're amoral. They don't have intrinsic uh, value. They don't have intrinsic uh, moral value one, one way or the other. They're, if, if they're used as tools, they can be used as tools for evil. They can be used as tools for good things. Your, your money can be used uh, in good ways or it can be used in, in evil ways. So the issue, and we talked about this when we were in 1 Timothy 6.10, the issue is not, um, one of the misquoted verses in, in this chapter is, is often where people say, 1 Timothy 6.10 says, uh, money is the root of all evil. No, the, the Bible says the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. There, there's nothing inherently wrong with, with money itself, but, but one of the dangers of wealth is that it will lead to misplaced trust. It'll lead to misplaced trust. Meaning, if, if I have a wealth of money, if I have a wealth of resources, if I have a wealth of, of treasures, material stuff, my inclination is going to be to trust in those things. 
So if I have a nice nest egg set up in a 401k or some other kind of retirement fund, my, my temptation will be to find my security in that number. Well, it's okay. No matter what happens, I still have this. I have this money set aside. I have this much to, to provide for my family in case everything falls apart. Um, and, and what that will cause us to do is to take our eyes off of God, whom the Bible says richly provides us with all things in, in verse 17, and, and to look rather than to God to provide for my needs, I'll look to my bank account to provide for my needs. And when that happens, we, we begin to lose sight of the kingdom of God. See, here's the thing. You, you don't really own anything. Um, in fact, the, the Bible in, in Psalm 24.1 says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Uh, the, the, God owns everything. You don't own anything. And here's, here's the other thing about material stuff is none of us gets to take it with us when this life is over. Right? To, to use kind of a worn out cliche, have you ever seen a hearse with, with a luggage rack? Chuck, you, you don't have one on there, do you, at, at the funeral home? You, you, don't put a, you don't put a luggage rack on the hearse. You don't often, although I have heard that this has happened, you don't often see U-Hauls being pulled by hearses, right? We, we don't get to take material stuff with us when we go. So that means that, that we are then um, called to be stewards of resources that are not our own. So here's the, here's the reality I think we need to understand. Your paycheck is not something you've earned on your own. Now, now you might say, well, wait a second, I've worked hard for that, and I don't doubt that. I hope that you have. But who is it that's given you the ability to work? But I would say it's Almighty God. If you really want to boil it down to it, um, if, if you want to claim that you're the master of your own domain, I would tell you to go make your own heir. We, we don't, right? We are all living in God's economy as stewards of his resources. And so that means that if, if we've been blessed with uh, a lot of resources, then we have a responsibility to use them for the glory of the kingdom of God, not just so I can drive a nicer car, have a cooler phone, have a faster computer. We're called to be generous with it. One of the dangers of wealth is that it will cause us to misplace our trust in material things rather than in the creator of all things. But then also there, there's a second danger that, that comes with wealth, and that is misunderstood treasure. Um, we, and this, I think, would follow closely to the misplaced trust. So if, um, if, if my priorities are, are out of whack, if the things that I'm putting my trust in are, are out of whack, then, then I'm going to um, not just place um, a, an unrealistic amount of trust in these things, but I'm going to trace, place an unrealistic amount of value on these things as well. And, I, and I'm going to begin to measure myself by how much I have. Whether that's in possessions, whether that's in what I drive, whether that's in uh, the house that I live in, or whether it's simply a bottom line of, of what's my bank account. And I begin to find my value 
in that thing. And so in in verse 18, Paul would say, instruct them to do what is good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and willing to share. Storing up treasure for themselves is a good foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of what is truly life. Now, as I talk about wealth, and I talk about those who have great wealth, one of the things that we need to understand is simply by nature of the fact that we live in the United States of America in the 21st century, I I think we need to grasp the reality that we are among the richest individuals who have ever walked the face of the earth. Just by nature of of the time that we live and, and the place that we live. You know, there's still a large segment of the population that, of our world that exists on one dollar a day. And with that dollar a day, they're clothed, and they're fed, and, and they have some, some sort of roof that they live in, some sort of shelter that they live in. A dollar a day. Y'all, I spent more than that on a cup of Starbucks this morning. In fact, I spent about um, a week's worth on, <laughs> if, depending on the kind of coffee you drink, you can spend about a week's worth of, of someone's livelihood on a cup of coffee. And we don't think anything of it, right? Three bucks. Cool. We, we need to understand the, the wealth that we have and the dangers that, that come because of that. The, the traps that are there. So this is why I think Matthew or Jesus in Matthew 19, he says this. Again, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Now, what's really important here is what happened right before this. Right before this is when Jesus was approached by the rich young ruler who comes up to him and says, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? It's interesting the word he uses there. What must I do to inherit eternal life? This guy was rich. He was used to buying whatever he needed. And so apparently he thought, hey, I can can come and I I can provide this for myself just like I do everything else. So Jesus says to him, and he meets him where he is, right? He says, you know the commandments. Don't steal. Don't kill. Do, Do those things. Now, I think what Jesus was trying to get at was was that this young man who obviously knew the commandments would have gone through, okay, you should should have no other gods before you. Um, Okay, where where am I out of place here? But instead, this guy was so used to getting whatever he wanted because of his money, he he responds to Jesus and says, uh, check, I've, I've done those. I've done all those things, kept all the commandments. What's next? So Jesus tries to expose this Thing that, that this young man has set up as a God, and that is his stuff. He says, all right, then, then here's what you need to do. You need to take everything you have and sell it and give it to the poor, and then you can come follow me. And we're told this young man went away sad because he had great possessions. Now, the problem in, in his life was not just that he had a lot of stuff. The problem was that his stuff had him. And he was no longer a master over these things. They were a master over him. What I love about the way that passage ends, he he walks away. And the Bible tells us that Jesus 
loved him as he walked away. He didn't condemn him, but he, he, he felt this love toward this one whose life was so out of whack. And this is where he says, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. In the Sermon on the Mount, we looked at this a couple weeks ago as well, but I, I wanted to circle back to it. Matthew six nineteen through 21. Jesus says, Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. See, the, the issue is not whether or not we're going to submit to something or someone. The, the issue is not whether or not we're going to allow our identity to, identity to be defined by something or someone. The, the question is, what will we allow our identity to be defined as? Whom will we allow our identity to be shaped by? And if all our focus is on money and material possessions, we will be shaped by that. Our identity will be found in that. And Jesus simply calling us to, to find our identity, not in the stuff that we have, but in the, the one to whom we belong. This is why he follows that up with this verse that we know well. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. Now, now, to not get that out of context, what Jesus is not saying is you just put the, the kingdom of God first and God will make you rich. You don't have to worry about it. God, God's going God's to give you all this material stuff. But what it, what it is saying is that if we put first things first, we'll find the rest of our priorities line themselves out as well. If we seek first God's kingdom, if we make that our first priority, God will meet our needs. That's the promise we have here. There's no, there's no twisting of, well, you put $1,000 in the offering plate this week and, and God will send you $10,000 this next week. That's garbage. But unfortunately, that's what people are buying into. We're seeing God as a banker rather than the sovereign ruler of all creation. Seeing God as someone we can manipulate and control rather than the holy, righteous judge to whom we owe our lives. If we put first things first, then the rest will take care of itself. But if we get the first things out of, out of place, it will create chaos in the rest of Life. And so, look, the, the point of this is not to walk away saying, well, I just got to get my relationship with God right, and then, um, and then my bank account will take care of itself. No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm, what I'm saying is you need to put, you need to get your relationship with Christ first, because if you don't get that right, nothing else matters. Put, put that thing first, and then let God come in and start to clean house on the rest of your life. And it's amazing what will happen. All right, so, so we're not supposed to be um, attentive to all of material things. It's not supposed to be uh, first on our priority list. Well, well then what is? If, if there's this danger that comes with wealth that, that we'll have misplaced trust and, and misunderstood treasure, then what am I supposed to be spending my time 
on. And, and thankfully, Paul goes right there as well in verse 20. Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to you, avoiding irreverent and empty speech and contradictions from what is falsely called knowledge. By professing it, some have departed from the faith. So we've got to avoid the, the dangers of wealth, and we do that by attending to the defense of the faith. Paul gives Timothy two commands here. He says, first of all, retain, keep that which has been entrusted to you. The way he puts it it here in verse 20 is, guard what has been entrusted to you. He, He reminds Timothy that he has had much entrusted. He's had much invested in him. And what is that thing? Well, in 2 Timothy 1.5, and we'll cover this passage in January. Paul says, I recall your sincere faith that first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. And now I am convinced is in you also. Paul would remind Timothy of the legacy of faith that exists in his family. And his grandmother And his mother have passed this faith to Timothy. And Paul's reminding Timothy, you've been entrusted with the faith. Guard it. Protect it. And and as we saw, as as we've seen already, and as we'll see again when we get into 2 Timothy chapter 2, Paul would say part of that, part of being entrusted with the faith is passing it along to others. Well, you've heard from me in the presence of Many witnesses and trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. He's reminding Timothy that he's been entrusted with this faith. And he's to share it with others. But then also, part of defending the faith is not just guarding that which has been entrusted to us, but, but avoiding certain things. And, and Paul would tell Timothy here to reject False knowledge. Again, verse 20, Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to you, avoiding irreverent and empty speech and contradictions from what is falsely called knowledge. Now we have to keep in mind that, that Paul's addressed multiple times throughout this letter the false teaching that's happening in the church in Ephesus, most likely from uh, elders in the church. So these who are supposed to be leading and teaching God's word have been leading people astray. And they've had this empty speech that sounds really good, but but there's um, no substance to it. You know, in in our fall festival a couple weeks ago, um, we we handed out a lot of cotton candy. You, You know, cotton candy has a lot of fluff to it, but there's not a whole lot of substance. It's delicious. Not, I'm not saying it's not delicious. But, but if you were um, trying to base your entire diet off of cotton candy, it, it would be very difficult, right? Because there's absolutely no substance to it whatsoever. I fear that we have a culture of Christianity right now that's a whole lot like trying to live on a diet of cotton candy. Paul's saying, don't give in to quarrels and empty speech. 
And so as I was, as I was studying this this week, and I, I just had to stop and think, man, how much of our lives do we spend focused on things that don't ultimately matter? How much of our lives do we spend focused on things that don't ultimately matter? Look, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a sports fan, um, and so since, since baseball season is uh, in, in their offseason right now, um, I, I, I like college football, and I'm, I'm a miserable fan of the Dallas Cowboys. And so um, uh, but I spent yesterday watching, watching some college football games, and, uh, and last night was, was kind of paying attention on and off to the Texas Tech-Texas game as, as Texas Tech is trying to win their sixth game to become bowl eligible for the second season in a row, which is a, a big deal if, if you're from the Lubbock area. And, and last night after they lost, um, I, I sat there and I was, I was kind of bummed after, after the game. And, and I went, wait, how dumb is this? That, that like I'm allowing my moods to be affected by, by a football game that doesn't ultimately matter. Right? There's nothing inherently wrong with it. I mean, it's, it's, it's an entertainment. It's a form of entertainment. Paul enjoyed uh, the sports of his day. He used a lot of uh, athletic metaphors, talked about um, running the race. But how much of our lives do we spend focused on things and, and lots of time and energy and stress on things that ultimately don't matter? I've, I've been convicted of that a lot lately, that I'm... Even if we're not having empty quarrels, although we saw a lot of that over the past few months, haven't we? I wonder, wonder what our lives would look like if instead of focusing so much on stuff that won't matter in three months, let alone 30 years, if we spent more time focusing on God's word, on building relationships with one another, on even seeking ways how we could maybe share the gospel in simple ways with those around us, what would that look like in our lives if we did exactly what Paul's telling us here, to, to store up treasure for ourselves as a good foundation for the coming age, if we spent more time dwelling on how I can be effective for the kingdom of God rather than just how I can get the next paycheck. That reminded me of Psalm 1. A really simple psalm, a couple of really simple verses that just remind us. And and I like how it starts out here. How happy is the one? You know, happiness is, um, it's fleeting, right? So we'll talk a lot more about joy than we will happiness. Because joy, we're called to have joy in the middle of whatever circumstance we find ourselves. Um, Paul says, I've, I've learned to be content whatever state I'm in. And he goes on and he talks about, you know, I, I experienced um, 40 lashes minus one multiple times. The, the, the Romans thought that 40 lashes would kill a person, so they would, they would literally send somebody to be beat within an inch of their life. Instead of being in danger everywhere I've gone. And, and Paul would say, I've learned to be content whether I'm sitting at a banquet table or whether I'm sitting in prison. Learn to be content in the Lord in that. And the psalmist here says, how happy. 
How happy, how content, how blessed is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked or stand in the pathway with sinners or sit in the company of mockers. Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction and he meditates on it day and night. Look at this verse 3. He is like a tree planted beside flowing streams that bears its fruit in its season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. So I started thinking about that. Um, you know, I've made no secret that I'm, I'm a big fan of the Christmas season. So uh, Christmas season for me started November 1st. And I know I've hashed that out multiple times. Um, I'm so excited that, you know, everyone else is finally getting close to where they think it's acceptable for you to be listening to Christmas music. And, um, so, so I love it. But, but one of the things that, that happens every year is that the, the Christmas season ends. Right? And so come January, we'll take down all the decorations. You have to go back to work. Credit card bills will come in and all that stuff that was really a lot of fun to get and open on on Christmas morning is much less fun when you have to pay for it (laughs) the next month. So I've just wondered, what what would it look like for for us as the people of God if, if our delight was in the Lord's instruction? We chose to meditate on it day and night. What would it look like for us as the people of God to be like trees planted beside flowing streams that bears its fruit in its season and whose leaf does not wither? Whatever he does prospers. So so I'm not saying don't go out and buy gifts for Christmas. I'm not even saying, you know, tear up your your Christmas list. What I'm saying is let's focus our attention and our affections on the things that actually matter this year. And next year. And the year after that. And the year after that. And the year after that. Don't fall prey to the new shiny thing that's going to pop up on your TV this week. Don't be a slave to the doorbuster sales. Believing the lie that more of what you already have will make you happy even though the, st- the stuff that you already have doesn't. Right? We know what the definition of insanity is, right? Doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. If the Lexus you got last year didn't make you happy, the one you get this year is not going to make you happy either. When they finally come out with an iPhone that just like opens when you think about it, it's not going to make you happy. Let's use the resources that we've been given, not to make ourselves great, but to make the name of Almighty God great. Not to build our own kingdoms, but to further His kingdom. Not not buying a bunch of stuff that that we can't take with us when this life's over, but storing up treasure in heaven that will last well beyond our time here. Let's pray. Father, we know this is is oftentimes a stressful time of year um, as as we finalize travel plans and as we um, prepare for family and, and all the joy and all the stress that comes with that. 
As we're bombarded with these messages that, that, that our lives are just a little bit incomplete until we get the next new shiny thing. As people who've been blessed beyond imagination with money and with material possessions, will you help us to not buy the lie that, that more of what we already have is, is the secret to making us happy? But instead, help us to focus on you and on your kingdom. That we wouldn't put our trust elsewhere. We wouldn't find our, our treasure, find our value, or our identity in things that we have. But that we'd find it in you. Will you change our hearts, change our attitudes, change our actions, change our affections to you? We might begin to see the, the resources that you've blessed us with as tools to advance the kingdom of God. That we would focus, we would attend to the defense of the faith, we would put first things first. The great description that we found in Psalm 1 of one who is like a tree planted beside flowing streams that bears its fruit in its season would be descriptive of us as the people of God. We would be men and women who know firmly that our identity is in you. That we can then proclaim this gospel of the kingdom to those, whether it's next door through conversations we get to have, whether it's through projects like Operation Christmas Child or the Lottie Moon Christmas Offering, helping to take the gospel to the very ends of the age, that we would be focused on storing up treasures in heaven and seeing the kingdom of God expand right here on earth. And you know how easily distracted we are. You, you know how... how easy it is for us to lose sight of the priority of your kingdom. And so when we fall, we thank you for the grace and mercy and forgiveness that's available to us in Christ Jesus. We pray you'll give us strength to walk with you each and every day as men and women who are called by the name Christian, that our lives would look like the Christ. I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from First Baptist Church of Alamogordo. We are located at 1100 Michigan Avenue in Alamogordo, New Mexico. We meet on Sundays for small groups at 9 a.m. and worship at 1030. If you have more questions, please email office at fbcalamo.com or call 575-437-5510. Thank you for listening and may God bless you this week.